The sound of the Puyuma tribe on Radio Taiwan International. Thanks for being here today on Radio Taiwan International for today's English language feature programs. Coming up ahead this hour, we will have Chinese Culture 101 with Paula Chow and Jukebox Republic. Shirley Lin will be bringing us another half an hour of popular music selections, but we'll get the week underway with Here in Taiwan. Welcome to Here in Taiwan this Monday, November the 12th, 2018. I'm Charlie Storer in the host chair today. I'm joined in our studio by Paula Chow. Hello. And Jake Chen. Hello. Hi, guys. Today we're going to be talking about uh, BBC's The Travel Show has come to Taiwan. Uh, we'll be finding out what they found. Um... Post-it notes. Someone's been sticking post-it notes on speed cameras. We'll be finding out why. And a sea turtle which uh, has been recovering from another nasty head injury. These stories coming right up. Okay, Paula, let's start with you today. Tell us about the BBC's The Travel Show and what their team found when they visited Taiwan quite recently. Okay, um, The Travel Show did a program introducing Taiwan's tourist attractions um, last week. Um, the BBC actually sent a team to Taiwan. So they um, they went to different places around the island. They went to Tainan to see an ancient temple there. They went to Kaohsiung to see a performing arts center. And they also went to Alisan to pick tea leaves. However, in the program, um, the team did not mention Taiwanese or Chinese cuisine at all. And the team also did not recommend um, night markets because when it comes to food, our, you know, our, our government is really proud of you know this um, food and Taiwanese cuisine. It's kind of pushed, isn't it, as, as a tourist attraction? Not only the food, but also the night market culture. Right. Bustling late evening uh, streets with football filled with, with different kinds of food vendors and, and of course, clothes and other entertainments as well. But they, uh, they, didn't, they didn't care for that, apparently. Right. According to BBC's Chinese language website, while the government has been trying to promote, uh, to promote tourism through um, Taiwanese cuisine and food or cuisine is not very, um, you know, uh, is not very tr attractive to Westerners, especially to Britons. And the article also said um, Britons are not very concerned about food because one sandwich is good enough for one meal. So if Taiwan wants to use food to entice Britons, it's not going to be very easy. This is what the article said. This was okay. This was the the view from the BBC's visiting uh, team, was it? Yeah, the travel show. Yes. As, as our residential uh, British citizen, uh, Charlie, what's your take? 
Well, uh, I mean, um, yeah, I mean, I have a sandwich. <laughs> but I typically have a sandwich from Seven Eleven. That's my my usual breakfast. Yeah, or I will also confess to having the odd Subway um, um, here and there. But uh, I mean, you wouldn't venture out to a night market. Okay, I will be honest. Yeah, I don't. I don't care for going to night markets too much. It's just that it's hmm. like the crowds. I don't. I don't really like crowds. Okay. So that's that's the thing for me. So, yeah, so, okay, so, yes, I was going to say it's a little bit much to sort of ex extrapolate from, uh, you know, this this one team's, you know, attitudes to say, well, clearly all foreigners don't like night markets. <laughs> but, but, okay, I, I, well, personally, well, the, I, I kind of fall into that category myself. Well, yeah, the article said Britons and other Western um, tourists are more interested in culture, you know, art and natu natural scenery. Not mm. food or night market. Well, since we're into culture, it's uh, quite a nice stroke of luck that we've just opened this huge arts center uh, uh, down in Kaohsiung. Oh, yes. That's, that was that was featured mm -hmm. in the program, right. was it? Mm. Well, post-it notes, they're well known to be one of the most passive-aggressive forms of communication. Uh, if you ever want to leave uh, um, some sort of message for your co-worker or for a family member, perhaps on the fridge door or, or uh, on their, their desk, um, it's often done with a post-it note, isn't it? So, so, so um, I'm presuming, Jake, when you tell me that someone has been leaving post-it notes on roadside speed cameras... There is likewise some sort of passive-aggressive intent I totally, in this. Is, I that, totally, is that fair? Yes. Okay, tell us the full story. The messages that you normally leave are the things that you don't say to people face-to-face, -face, and uh, this is especially true for this case. Um, the uh, police, and here, not too far from here, from Jilong, uh, 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 recently uh, found that five speed cameras have been, uh, the lenses have been covered with post-it notes. So they had to rewind the footage all the way back to the moment when it's posted. And they've identified that uh, a gentleman, uh, a taxi driver, um, uh, is the uh, perpetrator behind the act. Uh, the uh, gentleman uh, has since been comprehended, and he said that uh, the uh, reason he posted five notes to five cameras that day, uh, sorry, this is not funny, um, is, is that uh, his business was very slow, and he was having a bad, gloomy day, and um, he felt like he had to get his anger out somehow. Um, so uh, for some reason, you know, he you know probably posted notes was available at arm's length. So he reached to that, and then he uh, posted away. And so, what was the uh, message that he was conveying on the uh, on the post-it notes? Um, he didn't really put anything on the post-it notes, but by covering the cameras, you know, I'm sure he provided. Oh, he was covering the cameras. The right? I see. I see. Yes. Yeah. Yes, now I got it. You know, when I first saw that, I thought, you know, what a good Samaritan. I mean, unlawful citizen, you know. Um, but, you know, he was he was basically, uh, he, and sorry, he was uh, having a bad day and he was spotted by one of the cameras. So he's going to uh, lose some money on top of not making uh, a mm. lot on that day. Right, yeah. So he had to get it out somehow. Um, Can we say that uh, on this day he was unhappy that his cab was stationary? <laughs> good one. <laughs> yep, that was, that was probably why. Uh, unfortunately, uh, this uh, and, and rightfully so, I guess this gentleman is currently being uh, uh, charged for um, obstruction of official duty. But um, you know, we don't encourage such behavior. But quite a creative <laughs> way to get your angers out, I guess. 
So what's what's likely to happen? Is he's going to get a fine, presumably, or yeah. might he lose his license over this? Yeah, I don't. Um, we currently don't don't have uh, the result, but you know, judging from what the police said, I'm reading the words, and this is subjective. I don't think you know he's going to get much more than a fine. Okay. The police said you know other citizens should avoid doing that, and then that's it. So a sticky situation. Mm. Okay, so in this uh, next story, some good news, but also a little bit of an indictment of, uh, of where we're at in terms of uh, our environment. This is a story of a, a sea turtle that is now recovering from its head injuries. It's a green sea turtle um, that has uh, undergone some operations after it was discovered with severe head injuries, and it's now being assessed as to whether it can be returned to the wild. It was taken to the Penghu County Marine Biology Research Center in late September. Penghu County, of course, is the group of islands uh, in the uh, Taiwan Strait. A fisherman took the turtle to the center after he found it injured and floating near the shore in uh, Siyu Island in Penghu County. The center contracted Penghu Animal Disease and Prevention Center Director Guo Ren Zheng to give a diagnosis. The turtle was found it had severe lacerations to the head. Ooh possibly injured by a boat's keel. The skull was fractured, uh, while the eyes showed signs of ophthalmorrhagia, uh, ophthalmorrhagia, hemorrhaging from the eyes. Okay. Rather nasty. Yeah. Uh, so the animal was in quite a bad way. Gore said he cleaned the wounds and performed some surgery, after which the turtle showed some signs of improvement. Now, here's, the, here's an interesting point. After the swelling went down, it says the turtle's nervous system kicked in, causing it to disgorge nylon and other items. Oh. So it seemed, so not only had it obviously been struck, possibly by a boat, but it had, it had, uh, ingested some plastic, some nylon, and some, some other things. It's in really rough shape, I see. So uh, Gore said this showed that it was greatly affected by human waste, particularly plastic items in the ocean. That's something that you know, we've talked about on the show uh, a, a number of times. Right. Gore said this should be a warning over how human waste is affecting other species. Uh, the centre is now conducting further assessments on whether the turtle can be released again. Um, fun fact about turtles and penghu, the islands of Penghu are a natural habitat for five turtle species. You've got the green sea turtle, uh, which we had in this case, the olive ridley sea turtle, the loggerhead sea turtle, the hawksbill sea turtle, and the leatherback sea turtle. Green sea turtles are the most populous in the area. Uh, it's listed as a conserved species in Taiwan. So, all the best with your recovery, green sea turtle. Okay, Paula, uh, coming back to you now, of course, we have uh, nationwide elections for uh, city and council uh, and county magistrates and mayors coming up on November the 24th. So you've got a story here about gifts that uh, or souvenirs. I suppose we should say souvenirs. Gift sounds a little bit like bribery, doesn't it? But souvenirs right. mm. that uh, candidates are giving out to voters. Right. Well, in the past, the souvenirs are mostly um, uh, facial masks, garbage bags, or even scoring pad. And I remember 40 years ago, um, you know, someone told me that um, they got a bar of soap from candidates. Mm. Down right. to earth right. and practical. So, right. Uh, it is very practical. Sounds a strong anti-corruption message. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Now, this year, because it's a big election and also there are 10 referendums, so um, some voters are 
saying that they received a, a souvenir which is extremely practical and useful. It's actually uh, a cell phone holder. It looks like a ballpoint pen, and you can use that as a pen. But there's a place where that allows you to put your um, um, cell phone, so it'll be easier for you to watch a video. It's really useful. I see. So, so if we could uh, describe it, right at, at the back of the pen, there, it's got like sort of like a like a, 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 a rack, a scallop. Mm. Yes, sort of carved out mm-hmm. of the pen, hasn't it? And and where you so you can put the pen on your desk, and then put your phone inside, uh, leaning in that at mm-hmm. an angle, and and so that can be a stand for for your phone for you to watch a video. Yes, one um, voter actually posted the, the picture of that um, souvenir online. Yeah, so other voters are saying that well, how come I I don't have this? It's really useful. Mm. But anyway, besides uh, this one, there are two. Candidates, uh, they are seeking, uh, they're running for a very small a township, like a, the a head of the township in Zhanghua County. They gave uh, voters uh, also something really useful. Actually, they designed an um, information pamphlet for their neighborhood. The pamphlet is extremely useful because it covers um, information such as um, where you can get a barbershop, what's the best place to eat, and then where is um, the cramming school, and uh, how do you, where can you get your motorbike fixed. It's all the information that um, people living there find extremely useful. So actually that person has published 12,000 copies, but that's not enough because a lot of people have said, well, that's really useful. Can I also have that? Hmm. And there's also... In How do we know, though, that the uh, local businesses that he's listing aren't just his friends or people that he knows are, are going to vote for? Oh, okay. Then, then we know, don't know that. But anyway, also in Zhanghua County, there's another candidate. Uh, he designed... Um, um, it's actually a, a map introducing his neighborhood. But he listed all the... He put all the um, interesting spots on that map, and the voters also find that really interesting. Okay, that's about all we've got time for for today's Here in Taiwan. But don't go away. You'll be hearing Paula's voice in just a moment on Chinese Culture 101. What's on the show today, Paula? Uh, I will be introducing Lacquerware, housed at the National Palace Museum. After that, it'll be Shirley Lin's turn. She'll be bringing us uh, a selection of popular music in Jukebox Republic. We will then be back at the end of the hour to bring you one more thing before we sign off for the day. Uh, but till then, I'm Charlie Storrow. I'm Paula Chow. And I'm Jake Chen. Stay tuned. Palatial-styled, world-famous National Palace Museum on the outskirts of Taipei is a treasure trove of Chinese art. A must for tourists, the museum has gained a worldwide reputation for the quality and quantity of its collection over the past few decades. Each year, hundreds of thousands of visitors from abroad visit the Palace Museum, especially tourists from the other side of the Taiwan Strait. 
It is called the Palace Museum because the bulk of its pieces originally came from the imperial collection of the Song, Yuan, Ming, and Qing dynasties, the last four imperial dynasties. The Palace Museum's collection includes bronzes, jade, ceramics, porcelain, lacquerware, enamelware, archibombs, tapestry, embroidery, carvings, furniture, miniature curios, landscape paintings, calligraphy, rare books, historical documents, and so on. There are so many to see and so much to learn that it is impossible for visitors just to get a glimpse of its collection in a day or two. You're listening to Chinese Culture 101. I am Paula Chow, the program host. In today's program, we're going to focus on lacquerware. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Lacquer is a semi-translucent liquid taken from a tree called Chinese lacquer tree. The milky liquid painted on wood, hemp, or metal forms a hard, shiny surface when it dries in a moist atmosphere. In other words, the liquid is used to make a durable varnish. In ancient times, lacquer was widely used by rulers and their subjects in daily life due to its durability. The liquid was painted on short tables, shields, bow and arrows, carts, musical instruments, etc. And since the varnish, unaffected by water, offers a protective coating, it was a deeply entrenched tradition to paint layers of lacquer on coffins as well. According to Suo Yuming, an expert on lacquerware, the liquid, to some extent, has played a role in the preservation of cultural relics, as the varnish protects wooden coffins and other burial goods from falling into decay. The Chinese word for lacquer, or qi, means black. The liquid turns black when it dries after several layers of lacquer are painted on wood or metal, such as gold and silver. The earliest pieces excavated by archaeologists are mostly black in color, though the lacquerware housed at the National Palace Museum is either red or yellow. To make them bright and colorful, minerals such as cinnabar and rialga were added. To turn the liquid into a varnish, however, there is another indispensable item, which is tong oil. Tong oil is taken from tong tree, a small Asian tree growing in central and northern China. As lacquer was widely used, lacquer tree planting became a profitable business and a major cash crop. There were tree-growing regions run by the royal households and the private sector as well, though a 25% tax was imposed on the latter. The Chinese began making lacquerware as early as the Shang Dynasty, that's more than 3,000 years ago, though the origin can be traced back to the Neolithic period. During the Warring States period from the 5th to the 3rd century BCE, the technique of making lacquerware was well developed. Lacquer art is thought to have originated in China. The art was later introduced to Japan and Korea during the Tang Dynasty about 1,300 years ago and to Europe during the 17th century. But lacquer was not just an excellent protective coating. It was used as an adhesive and for decorative purposes as well. 
The Palace Museum has about 400 pieces of carved lacquerware, most of which are from the Ming and Qing dynasties. Carved lacquerware involves engraving through a thick coating of multiple applications of lacquer to create different patterns and designs. Visitors are able to see the various forms of carving craftsmanship and pattern combinations, and the current exhibit includes decorative themes of flowers, landscapes and figures, and clouds and dragons. While lacquer is easy to use and moisture-proof, making lacquerware is time-consuming and labor-intensive. What's more, lacquer was considered as a luxury item since decorated pieces inlaid with gold, silver, and mother pearl are not uncommon. In ancient times, lacquerware occupied a secondary place because other odd objects, such as jade and bronzes, were used as ritual objects and therefore enjoyed a higher status. And that's all we have for this week's edition of Chinese Culture 101. I'm Paula Chow. Bye-bye. Welcome to Jukebox Republic. I'm Shirley Lin, and the song you're listening to now is Tattoo from Moose Light Kingdom, a band that's based in Seattle, USA. If you think that this song sounds familiar, well, two years ago, they sang it in the English version. This one is in Chinese, so let's have a listen. Tattoo. <laughs> 灯光 
孤傲，开始变谦卑，自信守护，把伤口点缀。呜、哦、，It's beautiful。于是我学着用理想成飞，我让那天是第一次流泪，自信守护。You're listening to Jupiter's Republic. I'm Shirley Lin, Radio Taiwan International. Today I have Moose Light Kingdom here with me in the studio. Hi, David Lin. <laughs> Hello. It's been a while. Yes.、Uh, it's good to be back. I Things know. Things have changed a little, but your hair has changed. Oh yes,、yeah. I know. My hair has changed. Right. <laughs>、yeah. And the other person is Sean Slogo. Hello. Good to be back. Hello. I know. It's so good to see you guys. And it's only been two years, but two years a lot has changed,、mm-hmm. and also two years a lot I have forgotten <laughs> about you guys. <laughs> so refresh my memory. Sure. But、um, anyway, well, David, you are from Taiwan, except that you were born and raised in. Chicago, USA,、yeah. and and Sean,、um, Sean, Sean, <laughs> Sean, Sean. <laughs>、right. Yes, Sean. You're originally from the states too. Ah,、uh, yeah, yeah. I was,、uh, I was born、uh, in California, but I grew up in Idaho. And actually, I just learned today, which I don't think you told me before. You're half German, half Korean. Half German, half Korean. That's why my last name's Schlogel. Schlogel. Yeah. Okay. All right. So that's very German. But what does it mean, though? <laughs> Oh, I don't know. <laughs> it, actually, it's wrong too. It's supposed to be Schlegel, but、uh, it got、uh, transferred over wrong many years ago. And you just, you know, don't just bother changing it. it. Yeah, <laughs> that is so funny. Yeah. Anyway, the song "Tattoo" refresh my memory. What's the background of this song now? Yeah.、Uh, so the Chinese version actually uses a different perspective compared to the English version.、Uh, so if you recall, two years ago、uh, I was explaining the song in its English form. It's、uh, about me running into a childhood friend and realizing、uh, you know, so I much. Do, I do, do remember. Yeah. Yes. So much has changed, and、uh, he's really a different person, and he has experienced a lot of obstacles. Resulting in a lot of scars. It's all、life. coming back. Yeah, <laughs> and so the Chinese version, we decided to now sing the song from his perspective,、um, kind of seeing all the scars and all the the obstacles in life that you face, seeing them as something beautiful and using them as、uh, valuable learning experiences. I was in touch with him、uh, before I wrote the song back in 2015. We、uh, wanted to have a Chinese version, which took a while, and now it's fully realized. I'm glad that you still remember your Chinese. I mean, you、yeah. did spend elementary school years here in、I、Taiwan,、did. like six、yeah. years, right? I think that kind of、um, firmed the foundation, I suppose. Yeah, I think it helps、oh, okay. uh, studying at a young age. I、yeah. know、uh, Sean's trying to learn, and it's.、Mm-hmm. 
yeah. been a bit difficult in terms hard. of all the tonalities. Well, yeah. In fact, you guys just came from Beijing and had a performance there. Idol Hits. Mm-hmm. It's a popular Chinese uh, TV talent show. Yeah, it's kind of the translation for it is Zhongguo音乐公告牌. So mm. it's where people go up to showcase their new song releases, and they'll uh, each artist will perform their song. And the stage is usually designed very beautifully. There's a lot of designs lights and, and lights. Yes. Very exciting. Yeah. <laughs> confetti. Uh, yeah, I, confetti. I even ate a piece of confetti on accident. Uh, <laughs> uh, part of the song. Uh, yeah. Uh, oh. Smoke. Classic. Explosions. Oh, everything. I know. Yeah. I've seen some of their shows. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They, they really go all out. Really? Yeah. That's for yeah. sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, how did that go? I'm uh, sure it went well. I think well. It, it went swimmingly. It was our first time having that many cameras pointed at us. <laughs> yeah. There are ones mounted on cranes and a bunch of camera There should be crews. more. Because I, I like your music. They're great. I was listening to it with my husband in the car this morning. You know, when he quietly listens, you know it's good. You know? That's, That's good, good to hear. And um, David, you've got this uniquely low voice that really stands out from the rest. Don't you think, Sean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. How are you guys promoting yourself? Uh, we have uh, currently family members helping out. Okay. Uh, so okay. we're in the process of getting more members on our team. Yeah, so mainly in mainland China, we've been collaborating with Tencent. And so they have some resources that are helping us with promotion and things like that. So, so you guys are probably going more towards like China for promote, developing your music career? Yeah, there are a lot of people in mainland China. Oh, uh, yes. So it seems like a good place. have all the resources. And yeah, so far it's, there's been a lot of uh, resources building up and a lot of support. Well, does that mean you're going to be writing more Chinese songs then? Yeah, I think, uh, well, I usually write in English, so uh, I need to kind of think about how I can write a good Chinese song. So what do you usually do? You think in English, and then you have your family members help you with the Chinese or something? Yeah, that's usually how the process goes. Which Sean couldn't be of any help. <laughs> yeah, yeah, some words, like uh, Shaika. Yeah, Shaika. Uh, we have yet to include that. Means that means handsome you know, guy. So, yeah. yeah. Maybe we yes, can have I a totally song. agree. Yeah. Yes, I totally agree. I mean, the way you guys work, is it that, David, you come up with the lyrics, and then Sean, you write the music? Uh, no, it's collaborative. Okay, but okay. But it's not just one person doing All right. that stuff but yeah Yeah, I think uh, each song comes in a different way so Mm -hmm. uh, no two songs have the same process but generally we like to do the lyrics first and figure out what the story is and how we want to convey it and uh, we'll do the production and recording after the story is set in stone Mm -hmm. and we make decisions on how to create the sounds based on you know, what the kind of story we want to tell. It's mm-hmm. kind of like a movie, almost. Oh. Storyboarding mm-hmm. it out first. Okay. And then you go film and do post-production, right? Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. Well, there's so much more I want to chat with you guys, but let's play another song right here, sure, okay? Cool. Um, this one is in Chinese, also. Yeah. It's 就这一次. What's the inspiration behind this song? Yeah, uh, I wrote that when it's I was It's a love in, song, isn't it? Uh, I guess you could <laughs> interpret it that way. Uh, so when I was in Seattle, I have a f- friend of mine. She's a close friend. She's always working very hard and kind of puts other people in uh, ahead and kind of doesn't take care of her own mental health and body uh, because she just is so passionate about her friends and family. And uh, I felt very inspired by that. And I thought, uh, this song is kind of like words I would like to communicate to her, you know, 
just uh, take it easy for once、ah. and relax and take care of yourself, be healthy. Right. Yeah. yeah. This actually translates into for once.、Right? Yeah, for once. So take care of yourself for once. Okay. That's right. So I guess it's like a different type of love song. Yeah. Right, yeah. 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 All right. Okay. Well, let's have a listen. Cool. Just this once. Don't need to make plans. Don't need to make plans.
You're listening to Jukebox Republic. I'm Shirley Lin, and I'm here with the band called Moose Light Kingdom. Well, it's a duel. David Lin and Sean Schlogo. Hello. <laughs> Hello. Right. And so that was Jiuzhi But uh, let's move on. And Sean, you were saying that you guys not only performed in China, Chinese TV show called Idol Hits, but you guys were also there in Wuhan for Simple Life. Mm -hmm. Can you explain what that is, that event? I mean, it started in Taiwan. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, uh, it was it's an amazing festival, and it was pioneered. Uh, I only know him as Jonathan Lee, but what's his? Uh, Li Zhongsheng. Oh, yes. And he was he's, amazing. Oh, he was yeah, so he's a amazing great singer. To, to see him live. And so it was. it's a platform for like young artists, is that it? Yeah, all different types, I guess. Yeah, yeah it was really? just uh, a lot of different types of music there. There was MC Hot Dog there. There's other folk groups Rapper. there was us and then there's jonathan lee so it was, it was uh just all great music what were your background i mean david what did you study in uh, i studied uh electronic music production and video game audio actually it was music related okay yeah. with sean yeah also music i wasn't focusing on performance for some reason i thought you guys were like studying engineering you know or or some i don't know and yeah. then it's kind of switched to music which is like a total Yeah. Yeah, we wear glasses. It kind of looks like we're good at math and <laughs> so science. We look nerdy. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, uh, you know, I didn't mean that. But anyway. <laughs> okay. No. All right. What kind of music genre would you say you guys are? Uh, pop, maybe. I think uh, it's kind of hard to put it into one genre. Mm -hmm. Really? Uh, yeah. Uh, I, I think, think it's better than yeah. pop. <laughs> oh, what, what would you say? It is? I don't know. Yeah. Well, you know, it's tough because we were just talking about how the songs start with the stories and the lyrics. the The songs are then sculpted around those, so that may lead them to go to different genres that we feel fits the songs okay. best. So it's it's tough because you know it could be many different genres. You guys must spend a lot of time together, right? Working your music. I mean, that's your focus totally. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we you do spend a lot of time together. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what do you guys want to do with your music? Drawn that's, out? A, that's a good question. I'm you very, haven't thought that far. Um, I mean, you guys must have ambitions. I mean, yeah, I have a few ambitions. Yes, um, but I think uh, it would be really nice to be able to reach people in different regions, like the Chinese-speaking people, as well as a more Western, more English-speaking region. Mm -hmm. And I okay. think uh, being able to reach both groups of people would be really cool. Mm -hmm. And yeah. Uh, I don't think a lot of artists do that right now. Yeah, that's I, I, I'm really loving that part of about what we're doing as well. Is uh, obviously we're from Seattle, but um, bringing together different languages and different people, and and kind of uh, having music kind of connect it all. And as for Taiwan, I mean, besides going on my show this time, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. what were your other plans? I mean, I mean, what were you guys up to? Uh, we're kind of chilling in when we're in Taipei. We wanted to come here because okay. uh, we have a lot of friends and family out oh, here. Of course, and, yes. Uh, Want to take a short break before okay. we go back at it. I think oh. there's more more stuff that we're gonna be doing more new songs and filmings and oh, things. Great. Quick chill session and then we're gonna It's nice to be here. Go back to it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's so good to have you guys here again. Well, maybe another two years you guys come again. Every two years. <laughs> yeah, Every two years. Yeah. Come on my show. So where are you headed from here though? Uh, to Shanghai. Or, we have a Tencent thing. Uh, oh, okay. Another okay. show that we're filming for. Oh, really? Okay, okay. Yeah. Oh, and awesome. It's a similar thing where we're showcasing our new new song which we're gonna hear right now or in a second. <laughs> yes, uh, in hide a second. Seek. Yes, <laughs> Yeah, we're talking about hide and seek. Okay, so why hide and seek? Yeah, so it's uh, this one is more of a dancey kind of a EDM type mm -hmm. of vibe, and uh, this is inspired by when I 
first moved to Seattle, and I was it felt very lonely because I didn't know a lot of people there. And uh, I was working. This is kind of a. Uh, it kind of made me think about when I was a child, and life was much simpler and much easier, much happier. Didn't have to worry about your adult responsibilities、uh-huh. like we all do now. <laughs> um, yeah, so the the hook of the song is I don't care what Simon says, the game Simon says.、Uh, let's go back to playing hide and seek,、uh, kind of、uh, wanting to go back to those simpler vibes and more relaxed times, and not be so stressed out by work. Okay.、Uh, yeah, I like going back to being a kid, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we、so. all. I think every one of us, a part of us, all want to go back because、mm-hmm. it's always good memories. Yeah, right, I、mm-hmm. like holding on to old memories. Yes.、Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. So it kind of encourages you to be a little more energetic, a little more less serious,、mm. and be more a little more childish. It's okay too. Okay,、yeah. mm-hmm. that's that's kind of、uh, juxtaposed because I'm thinking that David's voice is more like serious because <laughs> <laughs>、yeah. it's so low. You know? <laughs> All right, this has been awesome, but thank you so much for coming in. Maybe I'll make a date with you guys two years time. Okay, two years. Yeah, yeah, really. Thank you. It looks like you guys going to be a lot of times in China. It seems like、mm-hmm. just the way it sounds. It but anyway, well, good、way. luck with everything over there.、Oh, Seriously, that's、yeah. a huge market. But it's so close to Taiwan, so always drop by. Okay. Oh yes, of、All、course.、Right. Always, yeah. yeah. So can't wait to hear this next song called "Hide and Seek." You've been tuning into Jupas Republic. I'm Shirley Lin, and thank you so much, David and Sean. <laughs> thank you. Moves like kingdom. Thank yeah, you. Thanks for Having
Thanks for listening to our programs here today at Radio Taiwan International. Don't forget you can email us. The address is rti at rti.org.tw with any questions or comments you have about any of our programs. Well, I'm Charlie Starrer back in the studio with Paul Chow and Jake Chen. And we're going to leave you with one more thing. Jake, tell us about Taiwan's last movie poster painter. Right. Um, earlier on in the show, we've heard about a, a BBC's travel team coming to Taiwan and explore the local culture. And uh, they've done, apart from, you know, uh, looking around the night market, I guess, they've done this very... No, uh, they didn't go to the night market. Oh, right. They, they found out like, they didn't like, like to they go. They shunned the night market. Yeah. Right. But uh, they certainly loved this one and, and this person. Uh, they uh, did a, a in-depth story and a short video, which we're going to share later on, on our Facebook, mm. about um, Mr. Yan Zhenfa, the last, the final movie poster painter in Taiwan, um, and uh, gee, this uh, this gentleman, his whole life is 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 a, a drama in itself, just waiting to happen. You know, he said, uh, beginning at the age of thirteen, uh, he uh, was grown up. He was born and, and grew up in Tainan City in southern Taiwan. He began to spend more and more time out of the class, outside of the classroom, and in the movie theater. And by the age of eighteen, he began to devote himself to the art. And he get this, he was chased out of the family by his parents because of that decision. You know, he felt like he. He, he, despite all that, he uh, felt like uh, he was uh, very strongly attracted by this art and he can't get away from it. So um, starting from then and until this day, 48 years later, he's still painting movie posters. And um, here's a quote from uh, the uh, director of the uh, Taiwan Film Institute, uh, Chen Bingchuan. Uh, he said, at the height of the Kung Fu movies, how, um, every movie theater in Taiwan had one or more uh, movie poster painters, and we had more than 700 of them across the island. And right now, Mr. Yan is the last of his kind, and he's a national treasure. And so their job was to design a poster, paint a poster then for uh, for uh, for promotion for the film for a movie theater. Yes. At that time, they didn't have sort of official posters? They didn't have official posters, so um, and these are manually po posted, so uh, painted. So each and every one is very personalized. It's mm. very different, and uh, because the movie theater could afford only so many canvases, uh, unfortunately, Mister Yan has to paint over his posters over and over again. I see. And uh, he only has the photos of uh, some of the posters. Some are forever gone. And uh, he said, uh, even after forty-eight years of painting, he enjoys it uh, just as much as the first day. And uh, and this is really unfortunate because. Uh, uh, just a couple of years ago, the uh, doctors found that after years of, I guess, you know, intensive use of his eye, um, they found injuries in the redness of both of his eyes. And they managed to fix the injuries in the right, in the left eye, but the right eye, the vision is forever gone. And uh, Mr. Yan said he's not going to slow down. He's going to do this as long as he can see. Uh, a, a homeless young man who's um, quiet and soft-spoken, according to the BBC travel team. Mm. And Mr. Yan never uh, got married throughout his life. And uh, he said uh, the one pleasure, the one vocation is the thing that he does day in and day out. Um, what a person. Quite interesting. Yeah. And, uh, and on this topic, there's a, a cafe I've been to in the Seaman district of Taipei, where right. outside it's kind of sort of made to look like a movie theater. And it has... Uh, representations of um, I think what Indiana Jones possibly and uh, and Back to the Future where these are clearly have been painted okay sort of sort of replicas of you know because they look like the, the the famous movie posters but they're they're not right. I'd always thought those they they were just uh, and I wonder if those are examples of uh, of this kind of of art if these were at one time 
you know, used for that purpose I, outside I, an actual theatre. Yeah, I guess quite possibly so. I mean, right now, I guess uh, paintings like that are, are you know, one-offs and, 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 and movie theatres uh, mostly just print, uh, use large-size prints for promotional purposes. So whoever actually employ, art, employ artists to, to paint these are smaller shops and smaller older theatres. Well, what a great story. That's all we've got time for for today's programmes. Do join us again tomorrow. Our shows will include Book of Odes, Status Update, and one more edition of Here in Taiwan. But for today, on behalf of all of us here at RTI, I'm Charlie Storer, signing off. Thank you for listening to Radio Taiwan International, broadcasting from Taipei, Taiwan. Check out our website at english.rti.org.tw. Again, that's english.rti.org.tw for the latest news and features from Taiwan. You can also listen to our programs and watch videos as well. Our 60-minute English language program can also be heard every day at the following times and frequencies. In southern China and South Asia, from 1600 to 1700 UTC on 6180 kHz. Again, that's in southern China and South Asia from 1600 to 1700 UTC on 6180 kHz. And in Southeast Asia from 0300 to 0400 UTC on 15320 kHz. Again, that's in Southeast Asia from 0300 to 0400 UTC on 15320 kHz. We'd love to hear from you. Please send your comments to P.O. Box 123-199, Taipei, Taiwan. Again, that's P.O. Box 123-199, Taipei, Taiwan. Or send an email to rti at rti.org.tw. Again, that's rti at rti.org.tw. Also visit us on Facebook. The address is fb.me forward slash Radio Taiwan International. Once again, on Facebook, we're located at fb.me forward slash Radio Taiwan International for videos, photos, and news of interest from Taiwan. Thank you once again for listening to Radio Taiwan International.